If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So good morning to you. And good morning to Alison Morris from the Irish News. Good morning, Alison. Good morning. Uh, across in London, I'm not sure if you're there at the moment or not, but you certainly have been in London and uh, you've been keeping you're there at the moment, keeping a watchful eye and an ear on what they're doing. Are they, are they now reining themselves back in a bit after the emotive language that we've been hearing? Well, I was there all day yesterday and you could see there was a, a change in mood. There was a bit more of a sombre mood. But I think that what's happened is that Parliament has probably changed forever. I think that the use of the language, it, and it isn't just coming from one side towards the other, it is an exchange across the floors. It is not, you know, the sort of democratic parliamentary language we're used to. There has been a, a sort of an Americanization almost of, of British politics. It's gone quite Trump-like, and I think that what we've seen is that change, but also I think that they need to be really careful because when you're in London and you're even walking around Westminster, there are, you know, hordes of people who protest outside there every day, and you can see even with them that there's, you know, at times there's a mood and there's a, a tension that's building, and I think that what's happening at, at Westminster will be reflected within communities all, all across the UK if something doesn't give soon. And, and I think that, you know, Boris Johnson's plan, if there is one at this point in time, seems to be that if things get so chaotic that MPs will have no other choice but to relent and agree to a general election just to try and calm things down. But I think that's quite a dangerous tactic. We've plenty of experience, of course, of street protest leading to violence in this part of the world and finger-pointing at certain politicians for saying things that triggered whatever happened. We, there, there's a track record of that. We, we could list m- many examples. We, we don't really expect it in Parliament and we've seen very measured and dignified protest there on the green. Okay, some of it very loud and lively and cheeky and annoying, but none of it up till until recently with a, a vitriolic tone. Are you genuinely concerned that maybe not just outside Parliament, but at other towns and cities across the, the UK, this is going to this is going to lead to violence well i'm not sure even that we'll get to the point where it'll lead to violence i mean there is a, there is a far right that is is growing in, within england and within certain parts of england which are exploiting the brexit uncertainty but speaking to some of the mps yesterday they are concerned that within their constituencies there's such there's such 
massively different views with regards to Brexit. And the longer it goes on, the more that 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 um, those views, you know, the division. It's sometimes within families, you know, there's a disagreement in relation to what what's the way forward. But as it's gone on, what what has happened is, and you can see that the this current government, their plan seems to be to make out that they are, you know, of the people, and that the establishment whoever the establishment are meant to be, are preventing Brexit and the establishment, be they the judiciary, be they other MPs, be they the media in some cases, are trying their best to prevent Brexit happening and that is what they have now portrayed. And I think that that is a very dangerous tactic because what then that portrays, so you have these very sort of posh Etonian boys claiming that they are of the people and that everyone else is the establishment and that seems to be how they've played it and that seems to be the tactic to try and convince people that if they don't have Brexit that this is what's going to happen and what's going to happen is that the the, the community and and cohesive um, community structures will just split I noticed in your article today in the Irish News under a headline, Parliament brushing up the broken glass of the rough night before, you make reference to Dominic Cummings, who always seems to be portrayed in the media as some sort of ogre from the shadows. And even today, I see Sky doorstepping him, well, doorstepping him as in he's walking along a dark street and there the, the, the reporter is there with the microphone uh, under his chin. Uh, you say uh, Boris Johnson trusted advisor Dominic Cummings holds court dressed in his signature dishevelled fashion. He's surrounded by political reporters who flock to him like baby ducks waiting on crumbs of bread. Do you get a sense that Cummings is thoroughly enjoying this power from, that, that he seems to have as an unelected uh, member of the, the civil service? I was, you know, right beside him yesterday. I watched him for probably his as he flocked from one sort of crowd of people to another for about an hour and he is in his element. I mean he is definitely not. You know, people are saying that, you know, whatever Cummings plan was has failed. He doesn't look like a man who's failed. He looks like a man who is thoroughly enjoying um his work at this present time. I mean he was he was flocking around reporters saying, Well you haven't seen anything yet. This is the end of the shit. You know, we haven't even started yet. Um, and he is he's a very strange character. You know, when you see him in real life, you can, you can see he's very dishevelled. He is very odd. Um, and, you know, if he does have a plan, so far it hasn't been evident because what we were told was the plan, you know, to have a general election before Brexit, to change the, the arithmetic at Westminster, um, to get Boris a deal through. None of that's happened. We're also past the point now, constitutionally, where there could be an election before October thirty first. Um, I think there has to be twenty five clear working days before the um, before an election could be called, and, and so the, the time has run out for that to happen at this stage. So whatever his plan is, he appears to think that it's all going going swimmingly. Um, and and the thing about it is, I suppose for us and, and even for Scotland is. You know, Cummings is, you know, he's, he's an English nationalist. He's someone who, who, who believes entirely in what it is he's doing, but doesn't consider other parts of, of, of the UK, if you like. He certainly isn't considered um, Northern Ireland or Scotland in this, in this plan. I think that he wants Brexit and he wants it on very narrow terms and hasn't considered the long term effect on, on the economies of other, other places in relation to that. Alison, thank you very much indeed. Alison Morris from the Irish News. Uh, you can read her article there in the paper, Parliament Brushing Up Broken Glass of the Rough Night Before. Eamon Malley uh, is available to speak to us as well. Good morning, uh, Eamon. 
Good morning, Frank. Uh, Eamon, really the reason that we're talking is following this thread that has been running through the programme during the course of the week, where the language in Parliament has definitely been more aggressive than we're used to, and a lot of people are beginning to make their voices heard outside Parliament. Is there a risk that this is going to become exceptionally fraught beyond the green benches? Yes. Um, I have been writing for some time about uh, what I was calling, I have called, a coarseness which has entered the language of Westminster. Now, I, I go back a long way, Frank, a bit like yourself. Like, I go back to the, to the days of Dennis Healy and people like that, you know. Like, they were intellectual bruisers, and they weren't, uh, they weren't shy. They weren't with being violets when, they, when it came to expressing themselves. But at the same time, I think that we have exported a coarseness to to the Houses of Parliament. And uh, what, what some of the language at Westminster, it's not surprised me at all. We have lived with this coarseness, this vulgarity in Parliament buildings uh, during the, 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 the various assemblies at Stormont. And, and some of the people who would have used the vulgarities there and coarseness, uh, they have been culpable of using corresponding language at Westminster. So there's a for, almost a form of austerization taking place at Westminster of what has been going on here for years in politics. Like there, was, there was a modicum of decorum uh, within the, house, uh, the houses for, for most of my life. But I'm afraid that at the moment, and you must remember, uh, there were really, really extraordinary circumstances happening at Westminster where Tony Blair was uh, planning to go to war, the Gulf War and all, and, and Iraq and everything like that. That's uh, Iraq particularly. So let me say, he was taking extraordinary decisions uh, at that time. And it's just, a, it's hitting you low. Uh, and I, I think the, what a, a former aide Tony Blair described as uh, as a dead cat strategy. Dead catting, it's a term used uh, to distract. It's, it's like coming in uh, to, a, to a board meeting and, and throwing a dead cat on the table to distract very, very bad news. And the bad news, of course, was uh, the, the visitation upon uh, Boris Johnson by the Supreme Court, which really, really humiliated him. And, and, and then uh, the failure to deliver a deal, despite, despite as many promises, uh, with Europe. So, uh, so you, you throw a dead cat on the table, everybody's appalled, and that becomes the story. But there's another story breaking just as, as we're going to air here, Frank. Um, it's being reported now on the wires that the Scottish nationalists are now prepared to ruin behind uh, Jeremy Corbyn as a caretaker prime minister. Now, just where this is going is, is going to be very, very interesting. So we may, we may be just at the, at the, at the foothills of the Andes in terms of political uh, landslides or earth tremors. Uh, we, may, we may think that, we're, that we've seen extraordinary things, but who knows what's going to happen in the coming days. It's a, who knows what's going to happen in the coming hours is the way that Parliament is. Exactly, this, exactly. This it is extraordinary. It is extraordinary. But, but you, yeah, you, you credit us, or the Parliament, to, to ourselves here in, in Northern Ireland. And very often when it was emotive in Parliament buildings, it ended up dangerous on the streets. Are you concerned for the streets of suburbia or city centres or villages or towns or Westminster? Are you are you are you concerned for any of those streets in England? 
Uh, I always guard against raising the temperature. Uh, I think people have to find language, moderate the language overall. But you're, ha- you're not having uh, manifestations and public uh, admissions by MPs. Uh, when the whole question, well, obviously that, that Labour lady who expressed her, her uh, shock at, uh, at uh, the, the comments, some of the comments of Boris uh, Johnson, uh, she drew attention to uh, what had happened uh, because of of atmospheres with to Joe Cox, the the, the Labour MP. Now uh, and then, uh, the Prime Minister rebuked her, rebutted her with the term humbug. Now, humbug is quite an offensive word. It means falsehood, uh, lies, misleading. I I checked the dictionary meaning of it uh, last night, you know. So in the context... To to uh, to use the term humbug against the backdrop of this lady's preoccupation about the danger of abuse of language and misuse of language, uh, his his answer, his repost was correspondingly uh, as as provocative. And then you had another MP uh, reporting that there was uh, some uh, individual uh, thumping at her at her office at her clinic window, uh, shouting frantically, fascist, 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 because of her modus operandi or because she took a, a country view to the orthodox view of a party. So the, there are those tensions developing at grassroots level uh, outside of Westminster. So it, it, I think there's time, it is time to calm the situation down and then you can, you can see where it's going because the House has not permitted a, a recess to facilitate the, the Conservative Party conference. And I said the other morning, Frank, that um, if, if the Conservative Party moved again uh, to, to recess or prorogue Storm, uh, not Storm, Westminster, that the, the, the other parties would meet at Church House. Uh, uh, in the Westminster area, and there's precedent for that during the war, I think. Uh, so I, I, there would be, and that's obviously what, what was going to happen if if, if the, the, the vote hadn't been strong enough uh, to uh, block the recess. Uh, but the, the party conference is going ahead, but uh, obviously it's going to be cut short because Boris Johnson will have to be back in the house, etc. So we're going through an extraordinary period, and I just I was watching I was watching the Secretary of State on television last night, and I just felt what a subdued, uh, Kazai beaten Secretary of State he is already. You can just see the impotence attaching to the poor man. And I think there's a general perception he's probably a very decent fellow, but I think that he's, he just doesn't know which way to turn. Uh, the, the Prime Minister on saying, oh, well, we're going to keep, uh, we're going to keep uh, the, the, the factory going and we're doing great things for, the, for Harlem and Wolf. But I used an analogy last night. Uh, historically with governments from my reading, and I'm reading a lot of history at the moment, Frank, because I'm doing a lot of research, uh, Beneath the plimsoll line uh, in, in politics, I, I, I have discovered that extraordinary things go on, even in the Thatcher era. Like Mrs. Thatcher, when she was out there uh, barracking the hunger strikers and Republicans, she was personally, subterraneously, uh, liaising personally with the hunger strikers and Republicans at that point in time. So beneath the plimsoll line, you always, you always discover that there's more life, that things are happening, that change is taking place. But unfortunately, I'm wondering, is it all 
flotsam jetsam that we're seeing with Boris. Now, he may pull a rabbit out of the hat, but it's, at the moment, it's very hard to see that because everything he has touched has turned to pewter, not gold, pewter. So it, it's, rather, it's a rather worrying time. Uh, and finally, Eamon, do, do you get a sense from the discussion, from the, particularly from some of the women who are talking in Parliament, that there there is a, a general uh, fear? You made reference to the humbug reference, which was a, he, he replied to the, the Labour MP Paula Sheriff on that one, and he, he, he there's also quite a vocal element coming from other women, including the woman who had her uh, windows bashed. Uh, that was Jess Phillips, who was a, a Labour MP as well. Do you, do you get a sense that those those women, be, because of what happened previously to Joe Cox, that they are genuinely fearful at the moment? Well, that, you know, I can't put myself in their shoes, but I doubt if those ladies would be saying what they're saying, Frank, if, if there wasn't a reality attaching to it. And, you know, if, you, if you're out of line, and you, you, you can't be correct all the time, if Boris had come in and humbled himself and paid, uh, paid due respect graciously to Lady Hale uh, and, and the Supreme Court, uh, but uh, it, it's this bulldozer approach. But what is very revealing, I'm sure you saw what his sister uh, said yesterday, that... Uh, she fears that uh, he's been driven by the people around him uh, to introduce what uh, has been referred to as this cat, uh, dead cat strategy, uh, provocative uh, comments, reaction, etc. Uh, but further, and this is something I wouldn't understand. You'd have to get uh, uh, you'd have to get uh, Jamie Delarkey out to explain this. Her worry is that the billionaires are shorting. The, the, the sterling and that there's a, there's a bigger agenda here and he is, he is playing to that agenda. Now, I do not understand the term shorting, but your friend, your colleague, Jamie DeLaghi does because I remember he addressed it a number of times when he was working there at UTV. So, so that, is, that is extraordinary what, what his own sister said. That, that those are the potential motives. And she said he is loving this. That's the other thing. He, lo- he is loving being a prime minister. Well, I hope she's not suggesting that he sees this as a big game and that it's a game for his own uh, uh, entertainment and recreation because there's so much at stake here for all of us. And I come back to uh, a thesis I, I, I have uh, expanded upon it before, and that is the question of the Democratic Unionist Party. Where are they in all of this? They're standing by Boris Johnson. So where is this going? And then we heard the managing director of Dale Farm on, and I've been on this thesis for a long time about the farming community. And he says he is predicting that if these tariffs are introduced on, on milk crossing the border, that the dairy industry is going to be wiped out. What is being said to the farmers? What is the message from the farmers to the farmers from the DUP? It's a most bewildering era in which we're living, Frank. Eamon, thank you very much indeed. Eamon Malley with his uh, overview on where we are at this present moment in time on what has been a very loud week in Parliament, even though at the start of it we didn't have anyone in Parliament. It is. It's crazy. It really is. Uh, 028 90 105 077 106 105 105.